This is DeFi Vader Podcast. We love Web3 Gaming, Guilds, Virtual Economies, Tokenomics, and much more. Enjoy. Polymus is a Web3 Gaming Guild and has raised a considerable amount of capital. Founder, co-founders such as Ed joins us to talk all about Polymus and Web3 Gaming Guilds. Uh, Sasha, thanks for joining can you give us an intro about yourself and how you ended up forming Polymos? Yeah, sure. First of all, of course, thank you for having me. Uh, super excited to, to be here. Uh, I certainly got a couple of your uh, past podcasts still on my uh, to to hear list, uh, which is growing and growing with everyone pumping out content. So um, I personally, I have a, a programming background. Um, I started out as a web developer, but I've always been super into gaming. Uh, even as a kid, I was super competitive, played competitive Counter-Strike as a teenager. But obviously, like 20, 30 years ago, you didn't really make money in gaming. You paid for it, <laughs> regardless how, how good you were. Um, I took a detour, got a master's degree in history. And while that, uh, while finishing that, I was already working as a freelancer in, in the gaming industry. Um, as a community manager, then joined the gaming industry full time, worked myself up to become a VP of product. I had like 80 people underneath me, uh, both PC and mobile, both in development and launched already. But I was very dis- dissatisfied with how traditional gaming is run. There are a lot of things that are wrong, in my opinion. And most people came across them throughout the last few years with all the scandals like Blizzard, Ubisoft, Riot, CD Projekt Red. So you just need to look at mistreatment of women, underpayment of women, crunching hours, um, and a lot of other stuff. So I decided to leave the industry despite having a very lucrative career path and then just took an IT manager position. Um, and then yet last year before Axie kind of like really uh, took off, I came across GameFi. Um, I've not been in crypto before. I was like adjacent to it, always kept an eye on it, but nothing really pulled me in. And then I came across GameFi and immediately saw that, okay, if if this can be delivered on, that's going to change gaming as we know it, because the, the value proposition of NFTs for every gamer is just ridiculous. So I was in the process of founding a new business, um, basically stopped all that, uh, wrote everything off as a, as a loss, took my entire business loan that was left, threw it into GameFi, including all my savings. Um, and then, yeah, most of it went into Alluvium. And uh, that's basically how I met the other co-founders of Polymers. So they were uh, interested in, in building something and they're like very, very uh, dedicated, experienced investors in the crypto space already. They have years of experience, of connections, and they were looking for someone to, that had a lot of insight into Illuvium in, in particular. And I was in the process of looking for people to work and, and build something together and as a lead moderator and a council member uh, of Illuvium at that time, obviously I had like the, the the things they were looking for and we hit it off. And then, yeah, we, we founded Polymers like, what's that now? Eight months or so ago or that we started working on it for real. So it's been been one hell of, one hell of a ride. <laughs> awesome. And congratulations on the most recent raise you raised. Um, I think like 14 million at... 100 million valuation from some prominent investors, right? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks for the congrats. And and you're right. It was 14 million, and we raised like we we kept our strategic investors in the cap table. That's like Delphi Digital, Framework, QCP, 
Um, and then th those were already the ones that backed us initially in our pre-seed round, uh, including some of like the the, the co-founders and founders of, of a large pool of the DeFi uh, protocols. And some uh, several of them went into the seed round with us as well. So we're very, very happy about seeing this ongoing support from the people that backed us half a year ago. Um, that's obviously a great, great, uh, yeah, outlook for us to see these people still being confident about what we're doing. Awesome. Have you have you raised for equity or tokens? No, we raised tokens. So we basically sold uh, tokens at a four cent and ten cent price, uh, and then of course, as as it's in our white paper, it's a one billion max uh, like total supply in the end, which then makes it a forty mil fully diluted valuation in the pre seed and a hundred mil in the seed round. Okay, awesome. Yeah, let's let's talk about um, Polymus. Uh, let's get deeper into Polymus. What you guys do? Um, first of all, let me ask you this question: Do you think the uh, existing guild model is sustainable? What you you or other people call it as guild 1.0. What do you think are the problems and how do you approach it? <clears throat> so first of all, I don't think that the guild 1.0 are sustainable and that they can survive long-term unless they deviate from the initial model. Um, the reason for that is all of them, if you look at YGG, Merit Circle, Avocado, and then a couple of artists that are less prominent for, for many, um, all of them were built on the premise of going hard on Axie, uh, growing a large scale uh, or a large pool of scholars. And they all started out with like this model of having uh, people manage a subset of scholars. So you have human managers in between, which means the ability for you to scale your entire operation is going to be very difficult because you always need to find new good managers and they need to be... Um, they need to be good at managing people and, and improving the efficiency and all that kind of stuff. So eventually you hit a bottleneck because you're not going to find fast enough good managers to take care of that. And it's also going to be very difficult to manage. Now, the reason why uh, a lot of these like YGG, Merit Circle and these, uh, the, the others are so successful is obviously they raised so much money in this initial play tour and hype that they migrated into a VC kind of operation by themselves. So by now, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of them actually build large-scale operations of uh, gamers, players, scholars, whatever they want to throw at a game in other games yet. There might be something out there, but it seems like most of them are much more heavily focused on the VC part now, which is a good strategy. I mean, if you made a bunch of money and, the, and you can put the money to work to make more money... That's a good strategy. I mean, that's why VCs do what they do. Now, in terms of the guild stuff, the, the reason why, why people have to adjust is, of course, that the entire play-to-earn model is not going to be able to survive long-term. It, it's, a, it's a marketing scheme. Like, there's no way this is going to be the future of GameFi or any gaming whatsoever. And you can see it with Axis economy crumbling already. Um, they, they had to fix so many things, and they're still trying to fix it because... If you have like play to earn literally says it, you're playing just to earn, which means everyone going in wants to extract value. And if that's the premise of your economy, like where does the money come from? That's not going to work. So yeah, we definitely think that, that things will change. And, and we're absolutely confident that while we see some uh, terminologies focused to play and earn, which is a good shift, 
we definitely think that in the end, what will survive and, and prevail is going to be win to earn, meaning that the people that will actually extract large scale value out of these projects will be the people that are winning in the competitive scene of that game. Um, first of all, I'm so glad that I'm not the only person who thinks like this. <laughs> There's no one else who, who, who's, who thinks same as me. Um, so you said win to earn which is an interesting approach. And I guess um, from that winter concept, we can talk more about what your focus is and what you, how you think about um, scholars or guild members and how, what you think about esports. Yeah, absolutely. So, so first of all, I mean, when we look at scholars, and, and we're probably even going to, and we, we're, do, we're discussing it internally already, we might even like go away from the term scholar per se, because there are so many different models. And when you look at the initial Axie model, it's basically there's an entry barrier financially that people weren't able to take because they didn't have the funds. So they were provided three axes. They could start playing, they could start earning, and the profits were shared. Now, that model in itself is... You could either see it as a work kind of engagement or you could see it as enslavement. And I'm like putting markers around that because obviously it's not real enslavement. Um, but um, when you look at this model, it's, it's all about those people working for you and you split the profits. Now, Polymos will have this kind of model in some games as well because it's impossible to get around that. If you think Illuvium Zero, for example, the land... The land needs to be worked in order to, uh, to create fuel, and then you can sell that fuel for Ethereum in the official balancer pool. Now, the land is going to be an entry barrier financially, like three axes were when the prices spiked heavily. But obviously, the, this land needs to be worked on an ongoing basis. And this means that if people want to, they can keep going and split the profits for as long as they want to do that. There's no way that we can suddenly unlock this land for that scholar because that would mean we would take the ownership from the initial person, either the guild itself or like our platform or someone that staked it on our end. So, so this is not something we can change. We do want to change this scholar approach wherever we can, though. And that's, for example, the main part of Illuvium, where we just don't want to see people like farming for us endlessly. But we're going to have a funnel that is more geared towards people come into our Polymus University, which is a custom developed learning management system, and they can take a course there. They can get a, a, um, accounted to or familiar with our scholar model. They will get teach or taught everything they need to know in regards to how to set everything up, how to apply, what they are supposed to do in the game. And if they apply successfully, they will be provided a Polymus owned wallet that might have some, some initial funds to start traveling into the difficulties that actually hold valuable assets. And maybe we throw some initial assets on top just to make them more efficient. Now, instead of them having them on an ongoing basis farm forever and split the profits with us, we're going to have a credit system, which means they they will need to donate assets to the uh, DAO in an, a value that, let's say, we give them $250 Ethereum dollar worth of Ethereum to travel. And then we want to have 2.5 thousand uh, back in, in terms of credit, meaning they farm assets, they uh, give them to us, we liquidate them on, on the Illuvidex, 
And as soon as they hit that credit level, and these were just like artificially numbers thrown out, of course, but as soon as they hit that credit level, they would kind of complete their scholarship. We would then transfer all the other assets they found by themselves and didn't have to liquidate for credits to a wallet they choose, which they have full control over. And now they are a full member of our ecosystem that are not tied into any scholar model, but they have the funds and means to go out on their own and capitalize on the other offerings of the entire uh, ecosystem of polymers. So we, we want to jumpstart people into their um, journey of being a part of GameFi. And then our approach to eSport basically comes that we're going to have so, such a heavy emphasis on data analytics and education that we want to take those people either because they came in with their own funds or because we jumpstart them in some kind of scholar model. And then we want to take the good people or the heavily passionate, engaged people that are willing to train hard. Those we want to take all the way through to the highest uh, um, ranks of, of the esports scene in whatever game we're part of. Awesome. That's 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 really smart. So my, my understanding... Um, you believe that the existing guild model is not sustainable. You think winter earn is going to be big, so the esports is going to be big. To um, be a you know successful guild long term, you need to have the best talent, best player talent. And my understanding, you have this like um, you know you have content, you have academy, you hire these scholars, you train them, you nurture them, and um, this like credit model is a bit similar to maybe like a mortgage where they pay, um, they have to pay to kind of either like earn these assets, right? Um, and once they earn the assets that they're renting, uh, then they become part of the guild optionally. You know, they don't need to stay. They can leave if they want. But I guess maybe you can give them some tokens or you can give them some power and decision-making. So they will probably feel like home and like you will be a real, you know, player owned, like a cooperative, like a real DAO, I guess. That is my understanding. Am I? Yeah, so so we, we're definitely going to be decentralized and, and we're even taking it a little bit further than some of the other uh, protocols in terms of how far we take the decentralization. Um, but in, in general, what we think about the, the scholars and, and the esports part is that in, in, in order for, for people to make money, money needs to be there in the first place. So if you look at the games that are interesting, that are fun to play, and obviously we're, we're betting heavily on Illuvium being one of those games, then Illuvium is not just going to hand out all the yield to people that just log in, do some daily quests and whatnot. Maybe there is a tiny part there for engagement, for rewarding people for activity, but it's certainly not going to be where the majority of that in-game yield is going to. That has to be in the competitive scene because otherwise, uh, as as the, the player pool grows, the economy is going to crumble. If everyone comes in and can farm like, hundred bucks a day and you're suddenly getting millions of players like where, where does the money come from so that's why we're betting on this more competitive approach and for us the model is yeah it's kind of like you're getting a loan um when you jump like at the in this particular part of our scholar model you would more or less get a loan and then you pay back the loan with interest um, and via that loan you're basically getting access to earning opportunities that you otherwise would not have had because you weren't able to to fund the initial jumpstart of your own, but uh, in overall, when the when the scholar uh, basically completes that process, 
um, we're very big on loyalty building in general. We believe that just having this kind of approach where you have a scholar model, you throw stuff at them and they kind of hope they stay, that's not going to work because it's a race to the bottom. If they can earn, let's say, 30% profits for, uh, with us, and in the same game, they can earn 35% profits with someone else, people are going to move over there if the, the, the profits is the only thing you provide as value. So that's why we're providing education, access to data analytics, but we're also having like two kind of unique concepts built into our ecosystem as well. One is the honor system, and the honor system basically rewards people for their engagement in the ecosystem, and that's mostly in a non-monetary way. So your activity on Discord could be uh, tracked or your activity in games, how successful you play or content contribution in terms of short stories or gifts or whatever. So we're still setting up the honor system. But the, the, the idea behind it is that we want to reward people for the engagement and activity because that is something like community activity is so important to the success of a product and a project but it's not rewarded probably from our point of view in a lot of the protocols out there. So you can then rank up uh, via different ranks. You get NFTs for it, uh, which you can mint, and then you can have a badge that is of a higher rarity. And via this, we obviously you gain certain perks. And the second part that is kind of unique on our end is the partner games vault, because 10% of all our tokens are resided in the partner games vault, and they get replenished with 2% of the DAO's overall revenue. And these tokens are meant to basically um, engage in partnership deals with game developers early. And we would then hand over tokens to them for them to pay out as additional in-game yield in their game. Now, that could be in the, that, that could be as high as a couple of millions, depending on what our tokens are worth. Now, why would we do that? Because we're basically handing out free money. Uh, one is obviously because we want like beneficial deals for us early that could be participating in pre-seed seed rounds or early Genesis NFT sales. But also what we want is, first of all, we want to have access to hosting rights for any kind of esports related stuff in that game, if possible, because we're going so hard on esports that we're going to be very big in terms of organization uh, and um activity engagement and this part as well but the yield that we would hand out to these uh, game developers would only be paid out to members of the polymus ecosystem now you could very easily get an entrance badge for, from from polymus early and and you could get you could become part of those farming that yield in that game and as you rank up in the honor system you would get bonus yield from there but just imagine you're playing a game and while without leaving your current guild or changing anything that you do, you ju by by just going to the Polymus ecosystem and doing what little needs to be done to become a member and get an initial badge, if you could earn more for free on top of that just by doing this, of course you're going to do that. So what we're basically doing is we're, we're we're kind of creating a a member acquisition funnel that no other uh, guild or GameFi platform out there currently has. Because we're driving people to us from the games by providing yield that only our members can farm. So that 10% of the tokens will be rewarded to your own scholars or they will reward to the 
partner games players. Basically, um, what we would do is, let's say we would partner up with Illuvium, and this is just example. This is not any kind of sneak peek or leak or whatever. But let's say we partner up with Illuvium, and we would give them 5 million worth of our token. Those 5 million would then, in some kind of fashion, be paid out in the Illuvium game. Obviously, that requires a little bit of uh, development, but obviously, these are big partnerships. Um, and then only members that hold a Polymos membership badge would then be able to farm these tokens in the Illuvium game. That could be, I don't know, weekly quests or, or daily achievements or whatever. That obviously is going to be dependent on each game. But overall, it's it's kind of like this kind of approach. So we're, we're providing additional yield farming opportunities to Polymos members inside of games that we have partnered up with on that kind of level. And I mean, depending on the token valuation of ours when we actually come out, that could be a significant amount of money. I mean, just look at Illuvium right now. Obviously, the token price went down quite a lot. It was as high as 1900. It's 500 something right now. But 500 something still means that the 10% of the tokens of the total supply that Illuvium holds as in-game yield that's a million tokens. 500 times a million, that's 500 million worth of in-game yield. Uh, and this is right now, no launch, nothing out there. And everyone is obviously expecting for the token to go up as soon as gameplay comes out. So we're potentially talking about tokens in the valuation of a billion plus just waiting to be put out to players as competitive yield, achievements, and whatnot. And if we would just reach a fraction of that, even a tenth of this, uh, we would sit on a hundred million just waiting for handed out, uh, waiting to be handed out for Polymos members inside of games, and that's a huge value proposition. Yeah, definitely, and I think it's a, um, you know, it's a good, you know, top of the funnel player acquisition play. Yeah, um, and definitely, if as games evolve into win to earn like we've seen in Axie yeah. and probably we're going to see in different games, it makes sense to spend to, you know, acquire, hire these top talents. Yeah. So it definitely makes sense. Yeah. Um, when you did your, like, user research, when you talked to a lot of these scholars or scholar candidates, um, when you ask them about, like, these different, you know, engagement retention elements, like honor system, um, you know, perks, badge, these, like, tokens... What were their reaction? Which ones did they like the most? I mean, right now, we're, we're still looking at how we set up our scholar models per game uh, because we're not betting on Axie. So we obviously, back uh, somewhere at Q3 last year when we when we uh, hit the ground running with everything, we obviously considered to go into Axie as well. But we decided we don't want to because we saw that the economy is going to crumble and the micro... Uh, the, the move from from Axie going towards a more basically win-to-earn strategy is exactly what we were betting on back then, but we weren't sure that Axie is actually going to do that. So that's why we, we decided not to go into Axie. Now, this also means that we're currently only in so many games involved that are playable at this point in time. So 
when we're talking to players or the people that are in our community right now, a lot of people are super, super excited about the university part, just having the opportunity to go to one space and possibly receive high quality blockchain education, but also high quality courses for particular games based on what kind of access you're having even all the way up to competitive meta strategies and all this kind of stuff. Uh, this is one part people are super excited about because if you look at this space right now, I mean, obviously we have uh, some platforms that provide um, game find news and then we have guilds with, with their own academies and all these kind of things. But no one has managed yet to get to a point that they become the go-to source for GameFi, education, news, whatever. It, it's not there yet. And, and we're trying to, to solve that as much as we can. Because education is going to be so important in general, not just right now to acquire members from the existing player base, but even more so to acquire players from the traditional gaming space. I mean, people are waiting to be onboarded, but there is, an, uh, there is a, a bridging problem right now that causes the adoption to be less than what it should be. And that's because people fear crypto, they think it's a scam, they don't see the NFT value proposition, and then, of course, all the scams actually happening in the space do not help either. So we want to try to build our courses and the entire university experience in a way that it supports people that are already in this space, but we also want to make sure that the entire funnel of education starts at the people that are still looking to come into game fun. Okay, very interesting. Yeah, um, I know Salad is also working yes, on that. Yes, uh, so that was the first one and actually the only one that came to my mind from my research, which doesn't mean that it's uh, not, that nothing else is out there. Yeah, I, I definitely think there is um, demand for that kind of content. I remember when I first heard about Axie, like there were a few content on YouTube um, and definitely there, there there needs to be more content around education. Absolutely. Um, what about... I mean, just look at Bryson. Yeah. Bryson started out in Axie um, and I think he did great educational Axie uh, content back then, explaining the game, et cetera, et cetera. And now he has like loot and, and all the stuff he's building. He has like almost 180,000 followers on, on Twitter. So he really blew up. But what, what, how did he get started? He provided educational guides and value to the players. And, and, and we don't have enough of that yet in the GameFi space. Definitely. Um, you know, let's, let's assume like you, you become a guild and just making up like any with, with any games. You have like 10,000 scholars, you know, all of them have access to these like content, you know, all of them want to be competitive. I'm I'm just guessing that the revenue that the top 100 will bring would probably be like collectively more than the revenue that the following thousand players would bring. So one challenge could be like, how do you retain that? top 100 players since they don't need much you know help on that like education or content well um they don't need help on the education part that's right but they need help to stay competitive because usually matter and these kind of things are changing and evolving all the time and it can be difficult to stay on top of that by yourself so Next to the in university, we're also building a data analytics platform. So we have a we have a dedicated data team that is experienced in quant and financial analysis, um, 
algorithms for for um, KPI tracking and all that kind of stuff. And they are building our data analytics platform. And this is going to be heavily geared towards analyzing meta strategies, um, trying to guesstimate or even properly calculate changes in matter and all these kind of things. And this is going to be valuable heavily for those competitive players, because if you're an individual player, regardless of how good you are, how how good you are in terms of doing research and how smart you are, you are not going to be able on your own to do the exact same kind of research and analytics that a heavily focused, super experienced and funded data analytics team can provide. I mean, that, that's the whole reason why you have these platforms that provide this kind of uh, content. I mean, for League of Legends and, and, and your TFT, you have Mobalytics um, and, and you have, they, they even have a premium subscription uh, um, model where you pay, I think it's $4.99 per month or something. I mean, they can only do that because there's demand for that kind of uh, content. And this is not necessarily education any longer. That is like really getting a lag uh, on top of the, the, the competition here. Okay. Yeah, great answer. Um, I'm shifting gears. Um, I want to ask about how you make investment. Do you have an internal investment team and how do you manage it? Yeah, so we, we do have an internal investment team. So that is uh, several people in there, but some uh, with a financial background, investment background in crypto, some with a more gaming focused background uh, based on leading and even founding some of the most successful guilds in like World of Warcraft or other games. So so we're really putting the, the gaming and the business side together because both are kind of like required to make a good investment decision in this space because, I mean, it's game five. It's basically gaming and finance combined. So the, the way that the, the things that we're looking at, I mean, initially when you were starting out and doing all these kind of investments, and that was a couple of months ago, everything that you saw was was kind of like all this play to earn hype and you wanted to get in early, you want to um, capitalize on the token price appreciation, possibly on the NFT uh, price appreciation. But a lot of the stuff that was done there had two floors in our opinion. First of all, these projects were built by people that do not have a lot of experience. Now, that doesn't mean they are bad. And that doesn't mean they are not going to be successful either. I mean, people that have no nothing to show for yet might be better than some of the best ones people know so far. But obviously, it's a lot riskier to invest into someone that has no credibility in what they're doing yet. So that is one of the things that we saw as an issue. The second thing was, of course, that the games were all focused on this kind of sell a lot of NFTs early, raise a lot of money out of these uh, limited sales. Um, the gameplay part kind of came short from our perspective. Like the the, the focus, and, and this is what we love about Illuvium, and which is also why I personally invested the, like almost all my, my initial investments into Illuvium, is because Illuvium looks at providing a fun, engaging gameplay first, and then the other part comes on top. And that's how you create a value proposition that brings money into the game for others to extract money. And when we look at games now, because we're way further ahead now, you, you see a lot of people um, endorse the space. You've, you've heard Ubisoft, Epic Games, NCSoft, 
uh, say that NFT games are part of the future. You hear that Microsoft acquired Activision because they at least wanted to look into NFTs and 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 this blockchain stuff. Um, so more and more of these like Web two based juggernauts are either going full force into the space or at least dipping their toes into GameFi. And you can see that both in terms of the the big companies coming over or new teams forming with people that have years of experience from these companies. So right now we shifted gear a little bit more towards heavily also focusing on what kind of gameplay is the game going to provide? Is it going to be sustainable? Uh, is there any any interest for people to spend money on that without earning? Like, I mean, people spend billions of money on games right now in Web2, not because they can earn, because they're willing to spend on the fun of it. And if that's not part of the DNA of a game right now in GameFi, we don't think it's a good investment unless you're making the flipping kind of uh, risky uh, approach where you think like, I want to get in early and I want to get out early before before everything dumps again. So so the team, the experience of the team, the gameplay, um, the focus on uh, competitiveness, and also in terms just in general, what kind of revenue can revenue streams can you build up in that game? Um, if we can't come up with any strategies how we can monetize stuff in the game, then all we can do is do a VC investment that is based on I put money in, I hope whatever I buy goes up. And then I sell it eventually because otherwise, obviously, I didn't make any profit. Now, that could be a bet that we might make in some games because we're obviously open. Like We, we want to make money as well so that we can grow the, the, the DAO. But uh, mostly we're looking for games that are providing engaging avenues for us to build revenue streams that include active participation in the game's economy via our members because we're still building a large community and if they are not part of what we're doing then what do we even have the community for got it so gameplay part team experience which makes sense competitiveness focus again makes sense because you have the you emphasize on the esports element yeah. um when you say revenue streams do you like expect to see some you know um specific numbers or figures based on the game's estimations on your, or your own estimations? No, like, I mean, obviously, if you can, you want to model some kind of expected revenue that the game is going to make, that you're going to make. Given the fact that sometimes you're investing into games at the pre-seed phase or, or whatever, it's going to be very difficult because the, the entire game phase space is still so, so young. I mean, we're so early in the infancy of it that everything you do is kind of like just pulling numbers out of thin air because you you don't have any reference numbers yet. Like you can't take Web2 games and their numbers uh, even just for the sake of retention because the fact that you can earn stuff and own your assets is going gonna, is gonna to mess up the entire retention model that Web2 games have as well because people are going to be stickier based on uh, what they own or they might be less sticky because suddenly they can just throw everything into the marketplace and get out of the game and don't have like this in the back of their head oh i invested a thousand bucks in this game i kind of don't want to quit because then all my money was worthless so they like right now modeling this is going to be very difficult i think it's a lot more interesting and valuable to look at if the game's economy works, and that's something you kind of need to evaluate first based on what they provide and how the tokenomics are. But if you take a bet on, we believe the team can pull off a functioning 
economy, what kind of streams could we build out of that economy? Because depending on what the game does, you want to bet on different things. If it's a heavily, like if it's a shooter, for example, that has a lot of tournaments and stuff, you might want to say that my main revenue stream or some of my revenue streams is going to be, I'm going to bet heavily on building esports teams that that get the biggest chunk of that price money. But maybe if you look at Illuvium, for example, you could bet on the main game of Illuvium and your bet could be, I don't care about the competitive part. I want to optimize a farming operation that gets me the most alluvials at the cheapest um, cost possible so that I can liquidate them on the market for profit. Or you could look at Illuvium Zero where you kind of have the land and then you're just saying that my focus for revenue generation here is to create the most efficient fuel generation strategy based on where buildings sit and how they synergize and 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 make a, an ongoing profit based on my optimized farming revenue. So it really depends on the game. And I think you need to be creative in terms of how you approach that. Because if you're kind of just going at it with a mindset of this is how it was done in the past, it's not going to work out. I mean, people that joined as a guild or community in a game, so far they, they, they already had this in, in their mind before, just on a web two bases because even in games where you don't extract value you were still trying to optimize your let's say soft currency farming i mean if you were a crafter you wanted to optimize your crafting so that you get the most gold or whatever the money uh, that they like the currency was in that game and then you got rich inside of the game now we just need to think further we need to think how do we get rich outside of the game through the game Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it, it so it goes back to the due diligence, you know, doing the work on the game economy, yeah. believing in the team. Because if 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 the gameplay part is fun and the team has the track record, you know, there is going to be a good game, and somehow probably your initial say NFT investments are going to return yeah. uh, good return. Okay. Um, um, let's just talk about Illuvium. So I don't know much about Illuvium. Okay. Um, can you like give a brief about like the the gameplay and play to earn elements in Illuvium and what they are and um how big is Illuvium in your kind of asset exposure? Yeah, so Illuvium is is probably going to be the first AAA game on the blockchain unless someone beats them to it now. They certainly would have been if they had released in December Q1 already. It's a little bit delayed right now, so I'm not sure if there's going to be some game project beating them to it. But in terms of quality and team size, they are certainly going to be the or one of the first AAA games on the blockchain. Um, in terms of gameplay, Illuvium is a combination of, let's say, Pokemon, where you venture out and then you have like these creatures running around and you can like uh, and you want to you want to capture them. But it, there is not a let's say. Um, turn-based combat mechanic behind it, but it's an auto-battler on the other side. So the combat system is an auto-battler much more close to TFT, like Team Fight Tactic. And this is where the competitive part comes. So you have like this open-world farming um, and as soon as you kind of like, you, you run around, you see some flashes, which kind of indicates there might be something and then if, if you kind of capture that, you get drawn into the, the, the combat mechanic, which then is the auto-battler. Um, and the auto-battle part is, 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 is the competitive part. Now, 
what makes Illuvium so interesting for us is, of course, first of all, the quality is beyond much of the other projects we've seen released so far. Uh, it's it's very, very high quality in terms of assets, visuals. Um, the complexity is a lot bigger. So we, we were looking at a game that actually provides a deep gaming experience and not just some, let's say, um, brief use cases for the assets. So it's game first with NFTs, not I have NFTs and now I need to somehow provide utility to make them useful. Um Illuvium is going to be a game that is heavily looking for a competitive scene to create a vibrant esports uh, community. And this obviously is very, very interesting for us as well. And an auto battler could be very, very good for that. Now, when I, we've like, uh, we've evaluated like probably 200 games so far internally. And 10, maybe 20 of those actually look as if they are long-term sustainable for us. And and we're going to be wrong. Like we're going to be betting on games that, that are not successful and we're going to ignoring games that are super successful. That's just how it goes. Like no one is perfect and no one is going to be able to bet correctly every single time. But we still do believe that if you look at the entire space right now, there are only so many games that will actually survive long-term because too many were betting on this initial hype. We throw a couple of assets together. We somehow make a gamification out of it. And now we have a GameFi game. That's not going to work as soon as AAA games come into the space and provide real deep experiences. And Illuvium is going to be one of them, especially because they have like their companion game to that, which is Illuvium Zero. And that's kind of like a base building game. It's a gamification of their approach to land but it's tied into the entire ecosystem. So the fuel that you generate in via Illuvium land is needed in the main game to uh, craft stuff, to travel to certain places. So there's a demand for that token that you create in the main game for people to um, yeah, do a bunch of important stuff, which means there's a, th- there's a well thought out process in terms of economics, how these assets and nfts play together it's not just something let's do land and do something with it no there's an actual demand creation based on what you're farming got it and how is the play to earn element is it like anyone on the average player can earn type of thing as as long as you buy an nft or land and you can generate the yield or do you need to be very competitive um to actually earn? yeah so so in detail, like fully, that is not clear yet because Illuvium sits, as I said earlier, on 1 million of their tokens and the total supply is only 10. So a uh, max total, it's going to be a little bit less based on some burnings. But um, 10% of the initial total token supply sits there and waiting for uh, to be paid out as an in-game yield. And they haven't released yet fully what is that, uh, what, what this is going to be used for. Um, a majority is definitely going to be used somehow in the competitive scene. If that's just tournaments or if that's like weekly arena rankings or whatever, we don't know yet. But it's certainly not going to be a game where everyone can come in, just start playing based based on some early investments and then extract value. And there are two reasons for that. First of all, there is no real large scale entry barrier. So Illuvium is going to be free to play. 
you can everyone as long as they can run the game because it's it's a PC game initially there's going to be a mobile version later but it's a PC game that runs Unreal 4 so it's not going to be easy to run just for everyone but hopefully there's going to be a lot a lot of people of course that can now it's a free to play free to play game where you can go in and you can venture into those tier 0 uh, regions and capture tier zero Illuvials. Now, the entire gameplay experience that Illuvium provides can be captured there. You go out, you capture people, uh, sorry, you capture Illuvials, you take them into the auto battler, then you, you build your deck of Illuvials and, and other kind of assets. You take that into the arena, play against other players, but you're all doing that with these tier zero assets. Now, then if you want to kind of get tier one and higher assets, the ones that will help uh, hold real value, you have to pay some fees. And that's more in the lines of paying booster package uh, prices from like a trading card game. The only, the only difference here is that your, the opening of your booster package is kind of gamified because you're, you're paying for, for that price. You travel to the region with a higher difficulty. Suddenly, you can venture out and find resources and alluvials that are of higher rarity, and those will hold value. And if you capture some of these, it might be more than what you paid for for the entire run, which means you made a profit if you liquidate it. That's certainly going to be one avenue. So there will for sure be people that are exclusively looking at farming heavily in these higher difficulty regions to then get all the alluvials that hold value and sell them on the market because they sit on a bonding curve. So over time, and with every copy captured, the success chance of capturing another one goes down until it is actually zero. So there is a finite amount to be captured. Got it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I haven't done, again, uh, deep dive into the economy, but from what I hear from you, it doesn't have the inflationary element that Axie or, say, like a RuneScape has. Got it. Okay, that's very... Smart and interesting. Um, and what is what is your asset exposure to Illuvium? So, like, out of all your <laughs> gaming NFT assets, what percentage is in Illuvium right and now? And currently, it's zero, but that's because it's for everyone. Um, Illuvium does not sell um, any um, what is it uh, NFTs before the release, so it's going to be a fair launch for everyone. There is no buyer package of Illuvials to get a head start or anything. Everyone. Like regardless of how much money you have, is going to venture out into that tier zero difficulty and has to farm some of those tier zero assets first. Unless, of course, you wait a couple of days, people farm it for you, and then you buy it on the on the marketplace. Um, the second in, like big investment opportunity is going to be the land. And we will, like Polymos, will buy land. How much that is, what kind of strategy, we will reveal after it happened. Because obviously it's a competitive auction because it's a Dutch auction. So we're not going to reveal our strategy beforehand. And also we still need to see if we're even able to successfully deploy it because there are other people that want land as well. But we will reveal how much land we purchase after it actually happened. The third avenue of getting kind of exposure to Illuvium assets right now is promotional NFTs. So they have had, they had a lot of giveaways already. We even have a collaborative NFT with Polymers. So there is a, a cosplay NFT that just recently was handed out to the winners um, that is done by, through a partnership of Polymers and, and Illuvium. 
but these are all promotional. The they, they most use case some of them have, and not all of them do, is cosmetic na- is of cosmetic nature in the game, nothing else. So it doesn't make sense for us right now to go heavy on these because they were already they have already seen a, a large increase in price and all that kind of stuff. We're looking to uh, invest into land and then of course uh, spin up a, a an efficient a farming operation to capture alluvial. Okay, awesome. Um, then, like, what is your largest um, game NFT exposure? Right now? Um, so so far, Polymus invested into a couple of games, and we're going to announce a, a few more soon. But we've invested into Fancy Birds into the ecosystem of Fancy Birds. We're a, a seed investor, like a guild a seed guild investor, next to Merit Circle and YGG in there. And that was in the that was still five figures uh, worth. Um, the biggest exposure we're currently having is to Monkey League. Um, Ilu- uh, sorry, not Illuvium. Polymus holds uh, a cup uh, a little bit more than eight hundred of those uh, Gen Zero monkeys. Um, and Monkey League is going to see um, Monkey League is going to see gameplay. I think in Q three, maybe it's still Q two, end of Q two. So don't quote me on that. But it's still this year, um, and we're we're Definitely uh, confident to see some uh, value gains there. We also just recently announced our partnership with RebelBots, um, and we're going to have some exposure to their land there as well, which is needed to uh, basically play in the game and, and put your RebelBots to to work, uh, like the fighting bots. Um, this is that. And we have Alluvium. Uh, we have a partnership with Comfy Ventures, which... Uh, uh, which gives us exposure to assets in Galaxy Fight Club. And we're going to putting those assets to use as soon as the game comes out very soon. Uh, we have a couple of scholars there that we throw at it. But for real, like large scale investments and um, really scaling our player numbers in games, that's got not going to happen before end of Q2 and onwards. But because we need Rebelbots, Monkey League, Illuvium, these kind of games and a few others, hopefully, if everything works out and is announced soon. Uh, all of these games are only going to see gameplay as of June onwards. And that's what we need to hit first to, to really scale up our players. Got it. I have a few more questions, but I know we're, we're short with time as well. Do you have like five, ten more Absolutely. minutes? Absolutely. Just shoot them. Okay. Awesome. So, you know, it's no mystery that the guilds have been extracting value from games. And you also said that uh, at the beginning of our call. And, you know, they make the game's economy is more unsustainable. Um, but some guilds also add positive value to games. How, so how do you see the future relationship between mm-hmm. guilds and games? What is the best way games can work with guilds? So first of all, um, I think one of the interesting things that uh, games, especially in the early fundraising, should be looking at is don't get the money from the players, get the monies from Web3 VCs and guilds, and then ideally um, lock those guilds and their assets into a long-term partnership so that it's not just for VC kind of approach price appreciation flipping. Because first of all, by getting those guilds in early, you're getting their commitment and if you lock them in long term, you're getting that commitment long term. And via that, you're not just getting money, but you're also getting a bunch of players on top. So you're doing player acquisition via fundraising at the same time. 
So that's one thing that I that that I would suggest, and that I personally absolutely would do if I would spin up a um, game for, a game project of my own. Now the second thing is that guilds in general it depends on how, what guilds provide beyond just scholars, and that's why they were perceived by some in this space as being detrimental for games. Uh, and I agree with that. If the entire premise of your guild model is I, I scale scholars as heavily as possible and scholars are only there for play to earn, it means that my entire model is based on getting value out of your project. Now, for polymers, the reason why we're pushing so heavily on this kind of approach in terms of education is we have we have like three core goals at polymers. One is metaverse adoption. And we're going to be have like we're going to be heavily be focused on on getting more players into GameFi. That's why we're building the university, which means that by partnering up with us, you're kind of ensuring that you're getting a guild into your game that is actively pushing to get more players into the space, which obviously is good for every kind of uh, game developer currently. And then secondly, of course, it depends on what is the main model. Like how does a guild try to make money in your game because extracting value in general is not something that that should be seen at, at as bad or something like it's not evil it just needs to be done in a way that it doesn't break the economy of a game and if everyone just jumps in to extract value that is what happens but if you extract it for example that's what our approach is heavily if you want to extract value based on the people uh, winning and being the most competitive ones, the most successful ones in your game, that provides value for the game as well. Because if you have a vibrant esports scene, there's going to be more interest uh, for your game. I mean, just look at the international, like the Dota 2 uh, um, competition and all that kind of stuff. People literally sit in stadiums, watch this. So creating a vibrant esports scene is going to be very, very good for the long-term interest of players in your game. And we want to help with that. Yeah, great answer. And also, like, there are some guilds, you know, that like finances tournaments. Yes. Like Huga, for example, I, I, I had them on the podcast recently, and their motivation behind that is not to, you know, earn money. It's purely to, it's like a top of funnel to acquire better players and also to support the games that they're yeah. working with because they have a long-term you know, incentive alignment with those games. So I think that was a great answer. Um, so, so where do you see like Guild's position in the Web3 gaming value chain? Um, I think like, I mean, I, I think my, my, my line on, on Twitter profile says that relentlessly believing in, in DAO and, and GameFi changing gaming forever or something like that. I really do believe that the decentralization of everything is going to be incredibly interesting. And I think even more so if it's done for Guild's. Um, the more decentralized guilds are, I think the more interesting the value proposition is going to be because the sentiment and focus of these guilds is going to come literally from the customers of these games. So there is no barrier or, or any kind of um, censorship or whatever. Like the guilds will be interested in, in doing what the players want to do. Now, based on the fact that GameFi is 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 existing and 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 growing as much. I think guilds will be very very important. They have already been incredibly important in Web two just for community purposes. 
and for creating competitive environment. I mean, a lot of the Web2 games only thrive because they had a competitive scene and a competitive community. And if no one is forming to, like, if no one is forming these guilds or groups and, and bands together, you're not going to create this kind of battling kind of nature and environment. So I think that's going to be interesting as well. Also, I think that guilds are going to be much more into helping with adoption into the metaverse than the game developers themselves. I feel like if guilds are going to provide thousands and thousands of players to games, they should also look at providing thousands and thousands of more players to this space in general, and then let the game developers focusing on providing real deep and long-term sustainable game experiences. I think that is something where where there could be a synergistic kind of relationship where we kind of say that let guilds focus more on the adoption and the developers provide the value that retains the ones that we bring over. I think that's something where I would like the space to head because then everyone has a place in the chain and everyone has the opportunity to extract profitable value without damaging the entire chain. I agree with you 100%. Okay, um, so final question. Any announcements you want to make regarding Polymos and when token? Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously the token part uh, is something that a lot of people are asking us. And as I've said many times already in, in, in Discord and other places as well, uh, we didn't push it uh, from Q1 to later because we weren't ready. We pushed it because we're very much looking at building something long-term. So we're not here to do a quick flipping. We're here for the long-term. We see ourselves as builders. We want to advance the space. We're just at the beginning. So with everything that we're doing, we're going to be looking at long-term success. And our token could have been launched already, we have it in auditing by very, very credible, high-quality uh, firms in the space. And we're going to release all these reports uh, um, um, in the future. But the reason why we delayed it is because we didn't feel that our development progress was far enough. We don't want to raise just based on vision. We want to provide real value so that people can see what it is they are investing into. And also, market sentiment simply wasn't there yet. We had a lot of games delay their launches, open beta or real launch. The sentiment in general was bad. We saw a lot of hype around like December-ish with like Guildfy and Merit Circle raising 150 mil. A lot of people tried to go in on that as well. Some of them tanked pretty hard. So our token, we currently have it in Q2. Um we might push it to Q3. I don't know. Um, I personally cannot see it come out later than Q3. But everything between now and Q3, I think it's possible because we're still going to not be rushed by anyone. We're going to do the right thing for the DAO long term. Okay, awesome answer. Thanks, Sasha. It really was a pleasure and really enjoyed hearing your Yeah, it was, it was a pleasure to be on the podcast, man. Always happy to come back. Thanks. Awesome.